friends and enemies, and welcome to In the Finest Hour, a 40-page podcast about playing the game competitively that aims to bring you tips and strategies you can use in about an hour. I am your podcast host, Sean Morgan, sometimes known as Abuse Puppy, and on my left I have Shaylin Allen, our good podcast host. Greetings. And on the right I have Joshua Death, our evil podcast host. Tremble. Just tremble. Oh, I'm trembling. I'm I'm trembling, although it's really more shivering than trembling, given the temperature around here these days. I'm not doing either. I'm too good for this. <laughs> uh, okay. I was going to blame it on your sweater more so than you being, you know, morally superior, but I suppose either one are a possibility. It's an appropriate great night response. How are, how's, how's things out where you are? You're kind of traveling these days, aren't you? I am, I am. We're actually in Omaha still right now, uh, where it has been a grand total of six degrees for the last four days. Yeah, that's uh, that's not ideal. Oh, yeah. It sounds like crap either way. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's, it's, it's a crap show no matter which way you turn. Well, this week I wanted to, to kind of open things up, because I had a, a question for all of you. I know I've played just about a billion games outside of 40k, but we never really talked about uh, what your experiences were. Have either of you guys played other war games or card games or board games or stuff like that? I definitely have, and you know most of this because I like to play them with our gaming group. Well, sure. Uh, I more meant prior to uh, joining in with our, our 40k experience here. I was mostly a board gamer and video gamer. I did a lot of Age of Empires kind of games, actually. Oh, yeah. Digital version of this stuff. Sure. What about you, Josh? I actually am huge into board games. Uh, I've actually worked with a couple of the game companies, Days of Wonder. Oh, yeah. I also worked for uh, Wizards of the Coast for a while in my younger days. Really? On Magic or something else? Um, So, actually, I beta-tested Magic. Wow. Yeah. And and I I, I I want to say that in very loose quotation marks. I was 11 years old. (laughs) Okay. I was part of a group that was playtesting for the game before it was launched. Uh, Obviously, I'm sure you can imagine as an 11-year-old child, I was minimally influential in what it was or what the game became. It was more I was just part of the group that playtested it. So so you get all the cred, but none of the actual work? (laughs) Yeah, right. It's a... I get, I get all the fame for it, but none of the actual, you know, I didn't really do anything, because I didn't. I just played Magic. <laughs> but ironically, that's actually what got me into uh, the gaming world. I've worked with uh, some names like Glenn Drover, mm-hmm. who did a lot of design work in games people might know, like Civilization or Railroad Tycoon. Oh, okay. Um, I actually did. Uh, I actually helped Glenn's a friend of mine. We did some design work together on that. Uh, so it's uh, gaming is board gaming specifically is actually one of my passions. Uh, I've actually been designing a game for a number of years, and so I love board games. That's uh, that's something I really enjoy. I just don't get to do it as much because ninety percent of the time when gaming gets involved, it winds up turning to Warhammer somehow. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do kind of turn everything to Warhammer eventually, but I think that's that's sort of our own fault, really, because like. <laughs> We want to turn everything into Warhammer. It's not a bad thing. We are in the far future now. Yeah. And there is only war. Right? I mean, it's 2019. Blade Runner's for real. And Zardoz, right? Zardoz, oh God. <laughs> yeah, Zardoz, 2019, my friends. We are living in the age of Connery. 
I cannot believe you just brought up Zardoz. Oh, oh man, Zardoz. Everyone should see that film, but no one should see that film. <laughs> you, you do realize you're going to have to have that picture, and you know exactly what picture I'm talking about. That picture. The only picture from that film, yeah. <laughs> that that picture now needs to be the, the banner picture for this episode. Ooh. Zardoz, it just needs to happen. All right, I can do that. I'm not sure I'm ready to inflict that on our listeners. <laughs> Maybe I could draw a chibi version with me chasing him with a halberd. <laughs> Oof, I don't know. You don't want to exaggerate the details on that. <laughs> oh, God. The reason I thought this was uh, an interesting subject for this episode is because the topic for our episode, as some of you may remember from our previous episode, is tempo, uh, which is a concept that, for me at least, came over from Magic the Gathering. Um, if any of you are Magic players, I'm sure you are extremely familiar with the concept of tempo within Magic, uh, but it's present in a lot of games, and it's a subject that... In 40k is not really discussed very much, but I think that is a detriment to uh, the players and the community as a whole. That's why we're fixing it. No, that's the hope, anyways. I come with a family of people who fix things. We're fixing it. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree. It is a area of, of play that I think goes woefully overlooked. Yeah, it's... I mean, even just the, the, the word itself, it's like it's not a concept that is really talked about, so I think the probably the, the best way to open this all up is to go back and define tempo. Like, what is it? And what it isn't. Well, let's start with what it is, and then we'll move on to what it isn't. We're gonna do both, folks. Yeah. Uh, Josh, do you wanna, you wanna put it out? So you did it, you did it first last episode. You think you can repeat the trick? Oh, let's see if I can do it. Let's see if I can remember the, the exact way to convey this topic. The big thing about tempo when you're talking in any type of strategy game like Warhammer is tempo in a game like this is your ability to control not the speed of the game, but the flow of the game. And I know that sounds very similar, but they are actually very dramatically different. The, the tempo of the game is you controlling when certain things will happen in the game, the flow of... When exactly is this big climactic fight going to happen? Are they going to engage me? Am I going to engage them? Are we going to engage early? Are we going to engage late? Uh, am I going to make it to where we're going to end up fighting for this objective in the first turn? Or are we going to make it to where we're going to be fighting for this objective on the fifth turn? Being able to control the tempo of the game allows you to control those elements when those elements take place. And if you have the ability to control when your opponent's army is going to engage you, it's going to give you control over how the game will outcome. Yeah, getting to choose when a fight happens, like, that doesn't seem important, but it matters a lot because you get to choose when the fight happens at the time that is most advantageous for you and disadvantageous for your opponent. It also has a component of where the fight happens. Oh, yes. Because you get to pick where the fight happens, and this is something I do a lot personally, is I'm like, we are fighting here. And the reason we are fighting here is because it's more advantageous for me to fight here. Right. Via what I have supporting that spot, or the terrain, or whatever. There's lots of reasons, but where is important, too. Right. I mean, obviously, Warhammer is a game played on a physical battle board, so uh, location is certainly important as well. Uh, but te tempo, at its most fundamental level, is about timing more than anything else, and controlling that timing. 
Um, we also talk a lot, a lot about pace is another way that uh, people talk about tempo, um, especially if the concept itself is not something that's like in, entrenched in their minds. Um, you, so you, you might say that, well, you know, this game was very fast-paced or this game was slow-paced. We're not talking about the literal pace of the game, how fast the players were moving their hands, um, in the same way that we don't mean tempo in the same way that, for example, a musician might mean tempo. It's not about how fast the game goes. It's about controlling the actions and the timing of the game. Uh-huh. Well, since Shailen brought the topic up, I think it's only fair if we put it over to her. Why don't you talk a little bit about well, what tempo isn't? Because that's just as important. Yes. As we've mentioned before, we're not talking about in the musical sense of, like, clap, 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 clap. (laughs) Tempo isn't the act of choosing what engagements you want to do, necessarily. That's just being a strategist. Tempo is choosing when, where, who. Mm -hmm. And making your opponent follow that. Deciding, okay, I'm going to attack that unit because it's a major threat, and if I kill it, it's good for my army. That's just strategizing saying, I'm going to attack that unit here at this point to force myself into an advantageous situation to destroy it and then leave my opponent crippled, that's tempo. Right. I think we can also say that uh, tempo is not the same thing as turn order. Just because you are the first player in a game doesn't mean you have the tempo, and just because you are the second player in a game doesn't mean you are at a tempo disadvantage. Mm-hmm. I will also say an aspect of tempo that wasn't covered by either of you I'd like to go back and just quickly add on is tempo is intentionally playing for later turns. Mm -hmm. I would argue that, you know, all good play is playing for later turns, Um, but tempo... Actually, do you mind if I I jump in on that one? No. Go 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 ahead. ahead. I'm actually very glad you said that, Shilin. I actually really, really am, because that actually allows me... uh, I didn't even think about this until you said that. How we we mentioned one of the key aspects of tempo is being able to control when when you make those engagement decisions, and a prime example is let's say, as an example, I'm playing against an army that wants to play for the turn four or five win, okay, uh, and I'm running an army that has the ability to take an early advantage. So me being able to control the tempo of the game forces my opponent to engage on turn one and two, even though they would rather push that engagement out to turn four or five. Uh-huh. So if I'm in a situation where I want to control that tempo and I want to strike them and I want to alpha strike them and I want to drive that nail home, maybe that's the choice I make. Whether it's the right choice or not, I don't know. But my ability to control that tempo and force them to engage me on my terms and not theirs, and my terms being turn one or two rather than four or five, that is exactly what we're talking about with tempo, is being able to take control of when those decision-making processes happen. Yes. And, and to Shaylin's point, I think in tempo is always the expectation that your opponent is going to respond to what you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, if you move your smash captain in and destroy their knight... They're not just going to leave that guy alive. They're going to do something to counter him. But tempo is choosing how they can counter your move and how you intend to respond to their counter. Yes. So if 
that you move your smash captain and kill the knight, well, they respond by blobbing up a big group of guardsmen and charging your smash captain and drowning in bodies. Oh, but now all their guardsmen are there, which means you can take the objective. Tempo is that control of saying, you know, in order to do the thing that you need to do, in this example, killing a captain, you have to give up something else that is critical to the game. Yes. That's how I think about tempo, is I think about how do I set myself up more advantageously for the next turn and the next two turns ahead of that, as applicable, obviously. Yes. That's the way I think about it to make me aware of it. Well, tempo is cumulative. It's always cumulative. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not simply binary, do I have the tempo or do they have the tempo? Um, It's, you know, how much do I have the tempo by? How how much of an advantage do I have in this arena? Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, how how would how would each of you guys identify which player has the tempo in a game? Um, if you were asked to you know walk over and you see a static board situation here are where all the miniatures are here is whose turn it is and what's going on how do you identify tempo in a game? Shailen, you want to jump on that? Sure, I would identify tempo mostly by unit placements is the immediate thing I'd go to in that situation is like, where are the units, where are they in relation to each other, and where are they in relation to their opponent's threats and Mm -hmm. the objectives? I think that's actually a very good way of doing it. Josh, do you have anything you want to add to that? The unit placement um, is going to be, like what Shailen said, that's going to be huge. I'm going to walk over, I'm going to look at the table, and I'm going to look at where these units are. When I look at these unit placements, in correlation with key elements of the board, Mm -hmm. terrain, objectives and other units. So, example, you know, hey, he's got that unit of five Hellblasters sitting right in that gap. Bam, they're in cover, they're on the gap, they're sitting on front of him an objective. That's a scary potential right there. That is a strong potential to control the flow of what is going to happen over there. Mm-hmm. But his captain and his banner are eight inches over to the right on the other side of this building. Now I'm a little less concerned. Now I'm looking at this like, okay... Now I think that the other opponent actually has a little bit more control over the where this game's going because they've been able to control how things have happened and these Hellblasters and these characters, which would kind of linchpin together, aren't in a position to do what they're supposed to be doing together. So that tells me that whoever this person, this Marine player is playing against has been able to control the aspect of how this has come out and separated those units. So now my instinct is actually going to give that control aspect. I'm going to lean towards this player's opponent. And I actually think that raises uh, a very interesting point. I mean, uh, Hellblasters with the the banner are actually a very tempo-controlling unit by themselves um, mm-hmm. because they allow you to break the opponent's rhythm of their shooting phase. Um, so it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you shoot my unit, but I get to do some other stuff in return. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very powerful tempo tool right there. But I would actually take what Josh just said one step further and say that uh, it's not just the the unit placements and everything like Shaylin said. That's obviously very important. But it's also the how the opponent's presumptive game plan is working or not working. Um, because the presumptive game plan for Hellblasters and their their escort is that they hang out in a bubble and they do their thing and they're working together. And if you are able to break them up and force them to move apart you clearly have control of the tempo of the game because you're forcing your opponent to take subpar actions in order to stay in the game. Exactly. Prompting the hard choice. Yes. And that's something we've talked about before. 
when you make your opponent make difficult decisions, you increase the chances they'll make the wrong decision. Exactly. And even if they make the right decision, they're probably losing out. Tempo is very much playing into that. Um, if you're controlling the tempo, you're forcing them to make choices they don't want to. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit more also about the uh, the sort of chess-like aspect of tempo. Because um, this is often very much how I think of tempo on the board, even though it is a little bit abstracted. Chess is basically like the first war game, um, and kind of is like the prototypical version of that sort of thing. So I think it's often a very good example for helping people understand that. And in that sense, it's very easy to see tempo on a chessboard. You can look at the the positions they control and the way they're moving their pieces, and tempo is much more obvious. And 40k isn't really all that different. It's just that the grid squares aren't mapped out for you, and there's more pieces with more weird ways of moving. Uh, But fundamentally, it's the same kind of idea. Sure. You have this kind of move and counter move uh, back and forth that is, you know, well, my pawn took your pawn, but then your bishop takes the pawn I use, and then my knight takes your bishop, and so on. And you get that same sort of thing in in 40k as well, I think. Yeah, you do, actually. It's not as clearly obvious when it happens, but it does happen. Yeah, and sometimes it is very clearly obvious. Like, if you, in our, our knight and captain example, like... That is straight out of a chess game right there. I, uh, you know, red captain to black knight, knight, captain takes knight, uh, guard squad to captain, guard take captain. Uh, I mean, that's right off a chessboard right there. Um, but you do, you do see that sort of play, uh, although usually it is a little bit more well disguised than that. But the concept is still certainly there, I think. Yes. Well, a, a more easily recognizable but more disguised-looking concept is person does their beta strike, wipes some stuff off the board, opponent responds with remaining units. Right. Um, you'll you'll see it with reserves a lot, uh, as reserves are another great way of controlling tempo, mm-hmm. um, because they give you the choice of when things happen. They're... In fact, one of the most obvious way methods of tempo control in the game. You can't shoot my unit if it's not on the board. Can't often shoot a unit you can't see either. Yes. Reserves have the potential to be able to control the tempo of the game so well, and they have done for many, many years and many editions. Yeah. That has been a, a key factor of controlling that tempo. Anyone who's played 5th, 6th, or 7th edition remembers the power of just, like, reserving most or all of your armory, army. Null deploy. Yep. Null deploy. Jesus. That null deploy is absolutely controlling the tempo of the game. Mm-hmm. So, I think the last kind of concept I'd like to throw out to you guys, and this is related to tempo but isn't exactly the same, is the whole the concept of the active and reactive player, mm-hmm. which is something we've talked about uh, a decent little bit already, but I think is worth reiterating here. It's a little bit trickier in 40k than in some games, because in 40k you only take actions when you are the active player, nominally, uh, Mm because that has an actual in-game term. But I think beyond that, there's the the sort of the active versus reactive of, of who is having to take actions. If I'm sitting on an objective, then you have to do something to get me off of that objective. I don't have to do anything to win the game. I am winning the game already. Mm Mm-hmm. 
you need to come to me and do something. Um, and I find that that is often uh, a, com- a major component of tempo is whoever's currently controlling the tempo needs to be pushed off and stopped from winning the game. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, so do you guys have any other examples of like what you would call loss of tempo? Uh, how would a player be able to tell that they are at a disadvantage in tempo during a game? Feeling restricted when they're trying to figure out where their models are going mm-hmm. is an immediate sign you don't have much tempo because you're like, I want to place this unit. There's nowhere to put it. Or perhaps uh, I would like to move this unit over here, but I can't because I'll get charged by those orcs or what mm-hmm. have you. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. The irony is the 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 both both examples you guys just gave is exactly what we were just talking about. The one thing you don't have on either of those is a choice. Yes. Yeah. And that's and that's exactly that is. The the irony is as we we've we've mentioned many 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 times and Sean just mentioned a second ago where if I give my opponent the more choices I give my opponent the more chances I give them to make a mistake but there's also an, an error in in and uh, value in giving them no choices not limited choices no choices the moment you take away their choices you're saying no you're gonna move this guy here. Because you have to. It's exactly what we were just talking about with that uh, active and reactive playing where mm-hmm. I'm going to do this because now you have to do this. You don't have a choice. You have to do this. Right. And chess was a huge example of that. There's so many games of chess that are, I now move this here, forcing you to do this. You don't have a choice. You have to do this now or you lose the game. Yep. And uh, that is a prime example. The moment you realize that you are, I'm doing this because I have to do this, not because I want to do this. You've lost the tempo. Your opponent now controls it, not you. I think uh-huh. I think that is a, a very good indicator. If 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 you feel like you're playing catch up, that everything you do is just responding to something the opponent does, and you have no choice but to take that action, you definitely do not have control of the tempo. Uh, if you're sitting there in a game, because as I said, I visualize tempo as being able to play turns ahead, and I'm like, I mm-hmm. can't do anything to set myself up for turn four. I've had lost the tempo. Right. Uh, because if you are if you are down on tempo, you're not playing for next turn. You're trying to play the previous turn in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, oh man, he moved those guys over there. I have to get those guys off of that. So you're not looking forward. You're looking back. Yeah. Uh, you are solely reacting, and you're often reacting in a limited capacity. Yes. Yes. That said, just because you have lost tempo does not mean you've lost the game. Uh, Like a lot of the other concepts we've talked about, tempo is just one component of the game. It can help you win the game, but I've certainly won games where I was down on tempo the entire time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because you can sacrifice tempo in order to gain other things. Um, yes. a, an example of that that I, uh, I think of a lot of times is Tau Armies. Tau Armies often are kind of hedged into being only to, able to move certain places, uh, being forced to shoot certain units by the opponent. Uh, you know, uh-oh, those Shining Spears are in the middle of my lines. I've got to kill them this turn. I have no choice. Yeah. And other shooting armies can be in that same box a lot of the time. 
but those Tau armies are generally trading tempo for firepower. Mm-hmm. And there's something to be said about a lot of bullets. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, don't think that tempo is the end-all, be-all of the game. It's certainly a very important concept, but it is only one of many aspects of the game that you need to understand as you're attempting to take control. Um, we talked about previously board control. Um, uh-huh. You may have an advantage in tempo, but a disadvantage in board control, or vice versa. You might have an advantage in points. It is not uncommon to give up tempo in favor of victory points. Nope. In fact, that's very often a choice you force the opponent to make. That we, you know, we mentioned earlier, like, well, I've taken this objective now, now you have to do something about it. The reason they have to do something about it, because if they don't, they will lose points. Um, so you are sort of trading back and forth there as well. There are a lot of what I would consider uh, advanced traits in uh, armies and units in Warhammer. That, And the reason I call them advanced traits is because they're... Their abilities are traits that are used more in an advanced setting, and nine times out of ten, it's more in a way to be able to find a way to control, regain, or manipulate the tempo of the game. Uh, a prime example of that is the Ultramarine Chapter Tactic, is a prime example. Oh, yeah. The ability to fall back and still shoot while, I'd say, easily 50 to 60% of the time, probably not the most amazing chapter tactic out there. Mm-hmm. But there are going to be those moments where your ability to take this unit, fall back, still shoot at another unit, or do what it needs to do, still being able to actively engage in the game, and thereby controlling, changing the flow of that engagement that your opponent did not anticipate, did not plan for, did not play for, Mm -hmm. gives you the element of being able to either change, regain, or control that tempo. And there's a lot of skills in the game, and one of my big ones that I, I always recommend to players to do is you see those people, they'll have the the Zangor, the Dark Matter Crystal, the Zangor Bomb is a prime example. You'll see those players, I've got the 30 Zangors, and I'm and I've got uh, the 20 Zangors, sorry, I've got my 20 Zangors, and i got my Dark Matter Crystal, and I'm ready to go to town. In turn one, I'm going to pop my Dark Matter Crystal, I'm going to bounce it over there, and I'm going to charge them right out the gate. Where It's very doable, very valuable. It can do it, and it can do a lot of work. Uh-huh. But saving that Dark Matter Crystal till later in the game, now we're maybe we're in turn three, and all of a sudden... I'm the my opponent's in control of the tempo. They're in control of the flow of the game, and all of a sudden now I'm going to pop this dark matter crystal. And I'm going to bounce the other side of the table, and I'm going to swap this entire engagement, and I'm going to change now. And that's exactly what I did. Is I just changed the flow of the game mm-hmm. because now I just changed a, a twenty or thirty man chunk of the table, and I dropped it over here where they weren't expecting it, where they weren't uh, anticipating it, and I'm engaging a part of their line that they weren't expecting. Because if there's a big enough hole for me to drop 30 Zangors in there, that was a part of that. I guarantee you they were not planning for that because they left that hole there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's an opportunity. Now, at that point, what did you just do? Well, you just regained some of that tempo. You just took some of that back because you put them on their back foot, and you're now on your forward foot. And so that those are a lot of those utility abilities, those whatever, what I kind of like to call advanced abilities. The reason to me they're advanced abilities is because they can control or regain the tempo for you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I think the, the Dark Metal one is a very good one, because the using the crystal like that, um, you know, in the early game, might gain you some tempo where you already have the advantage. Yes. But it can be very 
clutch later in the game where you are able to reverse tempo, where you take it from where you are reacting to the opponent's plan to where suddenly they are reacting to your plan. And that inversion of tempo, like Josh said, is absolutely huge. That's why I have a 10-man interceptor unit, because shunt is one of those two abilities. Yep, exactly. And I have a strategy that lets me do it again. Yep. It's actually, what, it's actually what makes the Interceptors such a valuable unit uh, in, in the Grey Knight book to me is because, again, your opponent has to plan for it. If they don't plan for it, at any point in the game, you could use this one ability to completely shift the flow of the game. And that's a huge, huge strength. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's why I never cut them completely out of my list. Yeah. They're too good not to. All right. Well, I think we've done a pretty good job of spelling out what tempo is. So let's say we all take a nice little meal break here, speak with the Quartermaster, and we will be back for the second half of the episode soon. Gamers, are you looking to do the conversion of your dreams but just can't find the right bits? Probably because they don't exist? Gaiman with a top hat? Magnus with a pimp cane? Mortarian playing chess? Well, those dreams can become reality with Vrita Forge, a design and 3D printing studio that can make the bits you've always wanted to happen happen. Vrita Forge can be found through Facebook, that's V R E D A. F-O-R-G-E, like Forge Worlds. Contact her, and she can design custom bits, parts, in any number you desire, from one to a million. Verita Forge. Make all of your wargaming bits dreams come true. And we are back. Hopefully you all enjoyed your MREs, if such a thing is possible. And if not, hopefully you are not dying of malnutrition. Well, I mean, spice cake MREs are actually tasty. Are they? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll, I'll take your word on that. So, in the second half of the episode here, I want to talk a little bit about the causes of tempo, the sort of ways it is generated during a game, because we talked a lot about the effects of tempo and why you do or don't want it and why it's important already, Uh, but I think that there are a number of distinct causes of tempo that we can point out as specific things, Uh, and I like to kind of talk about them one by one. Uh, some of them we've already mentioned, but a number of them we, we really haven't gone into. Uh, and I think the easy first one to start with is army lists. <laughs> yep. True. Josh mentioned earlier the kind of advanced abilities that units have. So having those in your army gives you tools to manipulate tempo. Yes. If you have those abilities and your opponent doesn't, 
that's an advantage right there. That is a an actual or potential tempo advantage that you will have for the remainder of the game, and that can be very big. Um, but it also can be the way that army lists interact with each other. That if you have, say, a an orc horde list that is just a whole bunch of boys on the ground uh, and no real movement abilities, well, I mean, first of all, you built your list wrong, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, aside from that, um, if you're engaging a shooting army, they kind of innately have a lot of tempo over you. Uh, as they're able to choose how engagements happen, because you have to make your engagements at shorter ranges. Yes. Um, I think another big one is turn order. And I know we said earlier that like just because you're at the top of the turn doesn't mean you have tempo, and that's true. But the turn order and who has top versus who has bottom is important, and it can alter tempo quite a bit. Uh, exam- prime example, to reserve list, who has bottom of turn? That person has a slightly higher tempo position. Yep, because their reserves get to come in after. They can always force the opponent to bring theirs in first. It's like, well, it's it's turn three. You have to bring your reserves in, and you know that mine are going to come in after yours have. Um, that can be a really big swing right there. Oh, yeah. Yep, I had a top of turn and a reserve matchup, and my opponent had this Mortarian Tempo potential sitting in his backfield. It kind of obliterated my army. Yeah. Another part of, uh, I think, the, the turn order and army list version is uh, gaining tempo during deployment. Yes. Um, because this will play into a number of the other categories we're talking about here, but... Like a lot of other things, you can take the tempo advantage before the game begins. Deployment is absolutely a phase of the game that you need to be paying attention to. In fact, we did our very first episode on it. We felt it was so important. And I feel like we're probably going to have to revisit it one of these days because it's a really critical topic. We mentioned in that episode the whole putting that unit of berserkers right on the line up in front Mm -hmm. as a, hey, you got to react to this. That's a tempo move. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if there's an objective in midfield that they can move to. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the same token, if you can take your basilisks in that hammer anvil deployment and put them 48 inches away from every gun the opponent has, then that is also a tempo advantage, because they may have to spend two full turns just getting to the point where they're allowed to shoot at you, much less shooting with any success. Uh-huh. Uh, that kind of plays into what I think is the, the one of the next big contributors is range. The range that your units can affect your opponent's units at is a huge contributor to the tempo of a battle. Josh had actually brought up a point in one of our previous episodes about it, uh, quoting a great master. Josh, you want to bring that back up? Uh, I believe you're talking about Sun Tzu. Yep. Yes, actually, that's a huge, huge thing. One of the things that... It, I guess a little tidbit of advice that has helped me in many, many times when designing lists and playing Warhammer, and that is if you cannot engage your opponent at the three main engagement bands in in your combat engagement and in the game of 40K, those three engagements are real simple. Uh, Short range, medium range, and long range. Medium range being the 12 to 24-inch range, short range being less than 12 inches, long range being over that 24-inch band. And if you cannot engage your opponent in all three of those incre- those bands, and your opponent can, they're going to keep you at that distance that you can't engage them, and they are going to control your army. 
and you will lose. And Sun Tzu said that I mean, this a few thousand years ago. He made the comment that if you cannot engage your opponent at those major, those different engagement distances, and your opponent can, you will lose. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Range is absolutely critical. It's why introducing pre-measure into the game was so much of a change. Even though it didn't really change anything, all the ranges in the game were exactly the same distance as they were before. When they introduced pre-measuring to the game, it fundamentally changed how players had to play. Yes. Oh, yeah. Another one that Che Lin had called out earlier this episode, and I think we need to revisit, is terrain. Mm. Um, Terrain can control the tempo of a battle by a huge degree. Uh, Josh mentioned, like, the Hellblaster standing in that really good firing lane. That's tempo right there, because you can, if your opponent can't really move any units into that 30-inch bubble around them, then you are obviously controlling the tempo. Things that open or block line of sight can drastically affect the tempo of the game. I've played games where my army just, well, I'll give up a turn of firepower to basically castle up in the middle inside a line of sight piece, you don't have any shooting that gets around that, guess what happens the next turn? Yep. (laughs) That's a great example of trading firepower for tempo, where you Uh spend a full turn staging your army inside that ruin because you know that next turn you're just going to assault the hell out of your opponent's army and they're going to lose everything. Uh, And suddenly you have tempo because they have to respond to what you have done. You're a turn ahead of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their response was to charge Guardsmen in, which died. Yeah, well, and this is this is an example of giving your opponent bad choices and then making the wrong one. Um, but like we said before, forcing your opponent to make those responses and try and pick from amongst several bad options is part of the power of tempo and the ability to control what choices your opponent can and can't make. Because, you know, they technically can do nothing about that. They could just leave you in that ruin, but that choice also loses them the game. Yes. Reserves is one that we have talked about several times already, um, but mm-hmm. is absolutely critical. We mentioned a lot of a lot already about how having the bottom of turn with reserves can be a big tempo advantage. Uh, it's worth remembering that top of turn can as well. Um, if you get to place your opponents before the opponent does, you, you can get... block the place the landing zone exactly, and that's controlling their tempo right there, or at least it can be, depending on what they want to do with their guys. Reserves are absolutely huge. Uh, A big part of tempo, as we've harped on, is choices. And reserves give you choices. That's one of the things that makes them so powerful. It's one of the reasons that a lot of the top-end players make extensive use of reserves in their armies. Um, In fact, I would go so far as to say, and I'm I'm kind of curious to what degree you guys agree with this, that um, the existence or lack of valid reserve strategies is critical to determining whether an army is top tier or not. Yes. I completely agree with that. The the caveat that I will add to that is the the existence uh, or lack thereof, as you mentioned, of reserve strategies or the ability to engage reserve strategies. Oh, that's fair, yeah. There are there are many armies out there that uh, may not have strong reserve strategies, but have strong ways of answering reserve strategies, mm-hmm. in so that element gives them the ability to at least, again, maintain that back-and-forth tempo concept. Uh, and those those armies, I mean, uh, 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 Tau actually 
not as much now as they used to be, but back in the day yep. with the uh, early warning override, the intercept abilities, you know, that was that's an army where they themselves wouldn't really be deep striking or reserving as much, but they would your entire army would have to second guess whether you're going to reserve or not just by the presence of them being on the table. And mm-hmm. that alone forced reserve armies to then change their tempo, change their thought pattern to engage them. And there's a lot of that still in existence today. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Eldar, Tau, Space Marines, um, a lot of the armies have some sort of anti-reserve stratagem of varying quality. Mm-hmm. Um, but the existence of those stratagems can very much change how your opponent plays, and that's a way of controlling tempo that is, you know, related to reserves, but is independent of them. Or pushback units. Like, sure. You just have enough screens between you and your problem, doesn't matter they got reserves. Well, that was actually going to be the next thing I was going to say, is if denying access to your units, if your opponent can't get to the units that they need to affect, if they're not able to move on to that objective because you've blocked it off with your screens or whatever, then you're controlling the tempo of the game. Mm-hmm. We mentioned this a whole bunch last episode with our screening and board control talk, because those are both very important. I think the most important thing this is for is for melee armies. If I get to control what you charge, that can be the game right there. It's like, yo, no, you have to charge my cultists. I'm not going to let you charge my characters that may decide the battle right there, because your 30 orcs will wipe those cultists out, but then his four demon princes and Aramon and unit of Zangors will then kill your orcs. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Zangors as the screen, so you can do it again. Right. Uh, again, that whole one-turn-ahead thing that Shay keeps talking about. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's so, like yeah. it's important. Yeah, it's it's like it's very important. For melee armies especially, the, the move and counter move, the very literal chess-like, you know, this unit takes this unit and then I respond with a different thing, is very critical. Because anyone who's ever played a melee army, and especially this edition where charging means that you get to swing first you know that who gets to declare the right charges and when they get to declare them is absolutely critical to winning the game. Also, um, on two little kind of interesting side notes is the custode stratagem, the grenade stratagem they have that slows down movement is a big tempo manipulator. Yep, because it can just stop a charge. Also, the slanesh ability that lets you even when you're the bottom of the turn getting charged player, actually still attack and do the back and forth on a big charge swing is also really critical. Um, Abilities that manipulate order are very powerful in tempo control. Uh, The Yanari being able to do actions out of order. Yep. That's what Strength from Death does. It's really powerful that way. And you mentioned uh, the Custode Stratagem, the grenade one. I actually thought you were going to talk about the other Custode Stratagem, the Stooping Dive. Yes that lets you charge and swing even before charging units. I was just remembering Jeff Robinson talking about stopping Blight War Terminators. Oh, you're you're not wrong. You're absolutely right about that grenade being a brutal tempo control tool. But I think it is also that, you know, stooping dive is another very powerful stratagem that controls tempo. 
which goes back to, to learning codexes and learning what the stratagems are so that you can identify things. That's a tempo manipulator. I need to know they can do that. Right. I think I think it's awesome that you mentioned Custodes, actually, because Custodes are one of those armies out there that a lot of people look at them as, well, they're just overpriced Terminator army. And if, if you look at them from just the bare-bones unit stats of what they are, they are. They're elite Terminators. That's really it. But if you start looking at the abilities and stratagems that that army can bring to the table, the sheer vastly different ways that that army can control the tempo of a game is amazing. There's there's few armies shy of like Eldar and all of their shenanigans that can really match what I feel the Custodes can bring to the table as far as what they can do to manipulate the tempo of the game. And well, I will be the first one to admit that while Jeff and I have had our clashes in the past, and we, we probably aren't the highest on each other's fan lists, um, I do have a lot of respect for Jeff and what he does. He's a great guy. He is a really good, he is a, a meticulous player. And if anyone wanted any examples of how you could use Custodes to control the tempo of the game, I truly believe that is how Jeff has done so well this season with Custodes. Mm-hmm is because of the fact that he uses them, meticulously uses them, to maintain tempo control in every game he plays. And that is how he does so well with them. Because of stooping dive, even the off-spec scan, the grenades, the ability to separate the Terminators when he wants to, various different aspects that he's used. Mm-hmm. Again, reserves as well, the deep strike versus not deep striking. His That entire army is designed to control the tempo of the game. And if you use it right... You can maintain control through the whole game and win with it. And so that's I'm just so glad you brought that up because the Custodes are like the the shining, pun intended, example of of being able to control the, the uh, tempo. And it, it's one of those that, on the cuff, you don't see it. Yeah. But if you dig deep in there, it's really there. Yeah. Well, I'm actually a little bit curious. Um, so I want to put this question out to each of you. Mm-hmm. If you had to pick one army in the game right now that you think has the strongest ability to control tempo, what do you think it is and why? Yanari. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's I. I think it's not hard to uh, point that one out. Uh, they get to use all the Eldar sh- shenanigan stratagems. Mm-hmm. They get to use the Dark Eldar shenanigan stratagems as well. Yep. And Strength from Death lets them take out of order actions. Yep. And out-of-order actions is a great tempo manipulator, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh, what, what would your call be? I think I'm going to go a little uh, not expected here and actually ask for Militarum. Oh, okay. really? I think they have vastly uh, uh, the abilities, especially with the introduction of the Vigilist Defiance. Oh, yeah, the Counter-Strike. Formations that they have, I, big quotation marks there. Mm-hmm. I think they have some massive abilities. Uh, prime example, the fact that you can now put a Bane Hammer on the table and a, a, a single Wyvern, and I can use the Bane Hammer to hit that Shining Spear unit and make them move half-move and not be able to advance, and then I can hit that Infantry unit and make them move half-move and not be able to advance. Now, let's just say you're going to do this to an Orc army. Well, I just took 60 Orc boys and said, stop. Yes. All right, they get to move two and a half inches and no advance. You literally just took an orc army and threw the brakes on with two units. Or I'm running that same army. I'm running, let's say, Mordian style, and I'm running against an assault-based army like orcs or chaos. 
and my entire army is overwatching on fours and fives, re-rolling everything. Now again, I'm controlling the tempo because I'm choosing when you want to engage me, mm-hmm. or I'm running the I'm running the new drop tempest drop uh, uh, list where I'm flying a Valkyrie up and I'm dropping in guys right behind your characters. And so now I'm waking, you have to worry about protecting your characters in your backfield. And so again, it's controlling the tempo. I'm going to control the flow of when this engagement happens. And just like you mentioned earlier, Shaylin, mm-hmm. where it happens. Because the guard are surprisingly more mobile than most are, most people give them credit for. They have a lot of mobility. Move, move, move. Yes. Yeah. The ability to, yeah, exactly. It's huge. You can just throw a guy across the board. And so, and, and with the, the, uh, expendability that guard have versus what Yanari have. Oh, that's true. Because that's the biggest issue with Yanari. Yanari, when you you lose a unit, you trade units with Yanari. Yanari, they have to make sure those trades are valuable trades because they'll lose out in the end if they don't. Where guard, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sacrifice units left and right because I don't care. It's their guardsmen. That's what they're there to do. And so again, that's like you mentioned, Sean, the ability to choose when and make those where you make those trades can, again, give you another element of controlling the tempo. So just there's so many different elements the guard can bring to the table right now, especially with those new the new stuff they brought out in that Vigilus book. I feel Astra Militarum, hands down, are the strongest tempo control army in the game. I definitely... They, they have a lot there that most people don't expect. Shaylin kind of stole mine with uh, Yanari, and I think it's hard to argue Yanari. They certainly do have a lot of advantage. True. Oh, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> but... Like she mentioned, they lack the ability to trade units one for one with the opponent. Yeah. I would actually say Dark Eldar, uh, because they not only have arguably the single strongest tempo-building stratagem in the game, Agents Effect. Um yeah. Like, that is un- that can just stop so many armies cold in their tracks. Just, you don't get to do the thing you wanted to. And that is an incredibly powerful tempo control tool. But they also then have the physical movement speed on the table. Um, mm-hmm. Again, position can be tempo. Um, that's absolutely critical to understand. So they have the movement to get around the table, and they have the bodies because their guys are so cheap that they can do the guard trick of, like, I'll trade one for one with you all day long. You're going to run out of units before I do. That's true. Yes. Hopefully we have been able to kind of outline what tempo is and how you use it and our opinions on the subject. Like we'd said before, it's just, it's not something that people discuss a lot. And I think that the players who really do understand it, your Nick Nonavati's, your Jeff Robinson's, etc., are players who consistently win games that it, they feel like they shouldn't be able to. Because tempo can really do that. You look at the map, the armies on paper, and you say, oh, there's no way he can win this. But if you control your opponent's decisions, control their tempo, you can win matches. Mm-hmm. That's something I've been working on. Oh, it's a skill to learn. And hopefully it's something we've been able to kind of teach to our listeners here. I guess Shay's weekly little bit of advice for how to apply this to your games is to look back through the codexes you use and identify tempo manipulation tools within your codex. Yeah. That's actually a really good that's actually a really good piece of advice honestly. That's a really good idea. If you can just go through and just focus on those elements to in in your codex or your armies just to 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 have them stand out in your mind, that could be very valuable to you. Yeah. That's a good idea, Shaylin. That's a really good idea. 
It's it's honestly uh, that's not a bad way. Is look looking at one specific aspect of your army and rereading the codex, looking for that is a great thing to do. Mm-hmm. We might have to add a little Shay's tip of the week thing to this. <laughs> yeah, I actually like that. That was that was really neat. That, that, that was actually a really good piece of advice too. I, that was really that was cool. I, I figure we can always end with here's how you apply it. Application is important. <laughs> Uh, if you have questions about anything here, if you have comments, if you'd like to talk to us, if you'd like list advice, or if you just want to chat about 40k, uh, I highly encourage you to email us. We're on in the finest hour at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook group in the finest hour. Uh, and we have a Patreon that you can join, likewise, in the finest hour. It's like we got a pattern going. Uh, and you join up with that Patreon, you can get into an exclusive Facebook group as well as our Discord chat, where all three of us and everyone else who joins is there to talk about 40k, chat about lists, just sort of bounce ideas around, maybe shitpost a few memes and stuff as well. You know, we're not against that sort of thing. Memes uh, are always okay. Yeah, right? Upcoming tournaments and announcements. Um, Josh, do you have anything? Uh, only only one really big announcement that's actually starting up with the new year that is actually going to be really fun. You mentioned it just, uh, you actually kind of hinted at it a second ago, Sean, with... Oh, yes, yes. Asking for list advice. Keep your eyes out for those that are listening, that are interested. We're actually uh, over on uh, in, in our neck of the woods starting up a list tech and list building service similar to what uh, a lot of people may know uh, Nick Nanavani opened up with the Brown Magic. We're kind of doing a similar concept here soon, and uh, we might be offering that up here shortly, and I might throw some plugs your guys' way. So and That's going through your, your Death and Friends network, isn't it? Okay. Death and Friends. Death and Friends Studios. Yes, sir. All right. Well, we'll have our listeners keep their ears open for that. I'm sure we'll post an announcement to it on our podcast Facebook page and everywhere else so folks can do that if they want a little bit of really in-depth list advice and someone who can really break a list down and tell them what to do with it then that might be helpful uh shaylin what do we have coming up for tournaments uh aberdeen washington you and i are i guess we're salt and pepper we come as a set yeah we kind of are going up there to get one last little gt in before lvo yeah right yeah, we uh, you can never get enough practice, so we're just going to squeeze one more in right before it's all done here. Uh, there will be a link in the uh, show notes for yeah. people to see if they are curious. Uh, you can follow it on BCPA. If you've subscribed, it's not it's, a sponsored event. It's the uh, the Aberdeen LVO prep event. It's going to be January 19th, I believe. Uh, 19th and 20th. 20th, yes. Uh, so if you're in a, you're around the Aberdeen, Washington neck of the woods, I believe they still have a couple spots open, or maybe you would just want to drop in at the store. It's actually a really nice place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd highly recommend it as a, a place to check out. Yep. Uh, lots of good players from the Pacific Northwest will be there, so Indeed. it's something it's to be some rough competition. Uh, it's time to give thanks to our sponsors. Uh, I'd like to thank Dank Muse, who provided the music for this episode. You can be found on SoundCloud or on YouTube. I'd like to thank Lion Woodrow for being our resident artist and amazing person in general. And I would actually like to throw out the opportunity for anyone that uh, happens to really enjoy our show and uh, enjoy what we do here. If uh, you not only love what we do, but you want to kind of help further the cause and give us a little bit of support, uh, we are always looking for anyone that's willing to sponsor 
the in the finest hour. And if that is something you're interested in, please feel free to reach out to us as we have multiple different sponsorship options for people that would love to support our cause. No, indeed. Get yourself an ad on the show. All right, Josh. Why don't you give us our list of the week? Well, the list of the week I have for you guys today actually is a list that uh, I just got done running at uh, two different events, the Glass City GT and the ETC Prep in Sudbury, Ontario, this past weekend. And uh, this this list is an orc list, and a couple key factors to be aware of in this one is no Forge World and no index options were allowed for this list. So, oh, okay. It was a, it was a little limiting in that and uh, it was it was a little interesting to write for it. So, uh, basic concept, we have three battalions in the list. First battalion is a goth uh, orc cult, clan culture list led by Gaskell Thraka, a war boss with a power claw and a custom shooter. He is the warlord with the brutal Bakunin stratagem and the Dekilla claw as the relic. Then we got three basic units of 30 orc boys with uh Shooters and uh, three tank buster bombs in each unit. Mm-hmm. Then we have a knob with the wah banner and the pain boy, obviously. They're key factors. And then we have a whole other battalion. The next battalion is the new loyal green 32. And that is two weird boys and three units of 10 Gretchen, also all goth. Mm-hmm. And then a uh, third battalion. This one's a little different. This one's actually a bad moon battalion led by a big mech in mega armor mm-hmm. with a custom force field, and then another big mech with a shock attack gun. And this one is actually using a, a detachment, special detachment of the Vigilus Formation book. Mm. Oh. Where it allows, it, it's, it's the dread mob detachment. Yeah. A completely, primarily useless in this detachment, other than it gives me the relic shock attack gun. Yeah, mm-hmm. that thing. Which is just a really, really nice shock attack gun. So um, that's really the main reason for it. And then there is a unit of 30 shooter boys, mm-hmm. obviously Bad Moon. Another unit of 10 shooter boys. And all of these these two units are both fully kitted with their max available number of rockets and combi rockets on the knobs. Oh, okay. So there's going to be a total of three rockets in the big unit, one rocket in a small unit, and then two combi rockets from the from the knobs. So a total of uh, six in there. And obviously with it being 30 and 10 for the mob-up strategy and being an obvious choice. Then there's a uh, 10 more Gretchen, and then there is a three Met Gun unit of three tractor cannons. Mm. And that's the whole list. That is all. And ironically, if you really think about it, it is... 150 orc boys, 40 Gretchen, three tractor cannons, and a bunch of characters. That's it. Nothing else to the list. That's cute. That's very cute. That is... Ah. <laughs> I have having remnants of an orc list I played that was just 182 boys, and I yeah. killed it with pure Grey Knights, which was hilarious. Yeah. Grey Knights are one of the few armies that I really don't want to fight with that army. <laughs> Uh, my, my opponent was not behaving very well because the reason he did it is because he ran into silencers all the time. <laughs> Ooh, bad day. Yeah, that's a lot of shots. All right. Well, I think that wraps up the episode. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And we hope you'll catch you next week where we'll be talking about first turn versus second turn.
This episode was edited by the Lady of Titan while drinking a cup of tea. It was later edited by her hand after the incursion.